Sue Harrison Price for Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. Coming to you from the Go Goat Sports Studio built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Ball Center, downtown Vancouver, where if you're looking to make it a staycation after a trip into downtown, maybe even for a game, call the wall, 604-331-1000. Ask for the Sue Harrison Price rates, some blackout dates. Apply. Matt Sakaris alongside Blake Price, Grady Sass, Hit and Switches, conducting things with Madison Buckingham. Big show coming up, all brought to you by Applewood Auto Group. Yeah, and Applewood Kia in Langley. He's got the Kia, Kia Nero EVs and EV6s with complimentary EV chargers, or if you'd rather, complimentary set of winter tires, courtesy of Kia Canada. Go check it all out at Applewood Kia in Langley. It is all good at Applewood. With a gleam in our eye and a shout out. To Big Daddy Dave Pratt, we are asking on the poll question today, is tonight a must win? Yes or no, voting at Sakarison Price on Twitter and YouTube. I'm not sure I'm going to get this poll question out with a straight face today, Blake. If uh, they lose this game, they miss the playoffs, is that correct? Something like that. Yeah. Or it will be such an uh, impossible uphill battle. The spiral. No, uh we used to tease our friend Dave Pratt back in the old radio days that he was always the first to uh, drop must win in a Vancouver Canucks season. And look, uh, of course the answer is no, or at least it is for me. <laughs> the respondents to the poll are quite split on this, believe it or not. Mm. So three losses in the first three game losing streak of the season, the last NHL team to have one. That is something the market can abide. It cannot abide another loss, a fourth consecutive, especially to the interlopers, the Johnny-come-latelys down the I-5 in Seattle. I'm not taking it in the literal context. I'm taking it in the proverbial context. And so in that context, yes, it is. And the reason I'm saying that is uh, the schedule ahead. It is uh, murderer's row of teams. Uh, It doesn't get any easier. What are you talking about? It's, It's Pittsburgh and L.A. next week. It's not a murderer's row. One, um, one team is almost the out of the, immediately, first okay, of all. But Pittsburgh is almost out of the Eastern Conference playoff race, and L.A. is on a wild card in the West. Yeah, and both of them are finding their legs a little bit. Following that, they've got a week of L.A., Vegas, and Winnipeg. Following that, okay, the Colorado so that's Avalanche. A, that's a murderer's row. Right. Well, I didn't say how far the row was. You assumed it was a three-team row. I was talking more about an eight-team row. Okay. I just hope there are some moral victories in there. Murderer's Row was a reference to what? Baseball team. Nine guys in the batting order. Mm-hmm. Next nine teams? Wow. Pretty tough. I think even before that, it was a prison reference. Well, I, You would think there was a literal translation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, it's... You're voting yes. I'm voting yes. Grady, what are you voting? No. Yes. Of course it's Thank not. Thank you. Thank you. They should win. But again, you guys are not taking it in the fun context. You're taking it in the literal context. And oh, so we're no fun. You're no fun. <laughs> yes, oh, correct. Okay. Dad's scolding us, Grady. Well, we're of no course fun. it's not a mathematical must win. They're in first place. You got a winky emoji written in the well, damn pro- that's in the poll thing. question. The amount of people emoji. that think this is a serious poll, like... Come on. You see the Dave Pratt name and the wink? That's But there is the tip. proverbial must win to which Dave Pratt was always referencing because, of course, you're not mathematically eliminated in October either. It is mm-hmm. effectively saying, do they need this win to make sure they don't bleed out? Mm-hmm. And the answer to me is, yeah, you got you got a risk there. 
get the win versus this team, a local rivalry you don't want to think has got any steam over you, lest you face them in the first round of the playoffs. Seattle is three back of the final playoff spot in the West. Three teams to jump. They do have a game in hand on Minnesota and Nashville, who are immediately above them in the standings. Same number of games as St. Louis, who are sitting on that final playoff spot. So the one thing that I will agree with you on this schedule is what we have been talking about for a couple of weeks now is outside of these games against the better teams in the NHL, Colorado, Boston, of course, Winnipeg, and Vegas, the Canucks also have peppered in this schedule a bunch of games against playoff desperate clubs. We saw that mm-hmm. uh, last weekend against Detroit and Washington. And then again, Detroit coming here. We saw that earlier in the week with Minnesota. And we're going to see that with Seattle tonight, Pittsburgh and Los Angeles next week here at Rogers Arena as we get towards the March 8th playoff uh, trade deadline and, of course, teams having to make some, in some cases, very difficult decisions. Are you in? Are you out? Are you selling? Are you buying? Are you standing pat? All right. Let's get to today's top story, and that is the skid. Four points up on Dallas in the Western Conference right now. That's mm-hmm. for the number one overall seed. And as we've talked about, that could be important. I mean, L.A. has sort of slid back to the wild card pack. I'm not sure if you draw a big distinction between the L.A. Kings, who have won four in a row, uh, and the rest of the playoff pack. Uh, needless to say, there's some potentially delicious first-round mashups there for the Vancouver Canucks in the 1-8 part of the Western Conference bracket. Could be the Kraken, in which case rivalry, Cascadia rivalry, game on. Could be the old foe Calgary Flames if they get things together. So four up on Dallas, who has a game in hand. Dallas and Ottawa on Thursday night, so a pretty good chance of victory, one would think, for the Stars. They're 10 points up on Vegas in the Pacific. The Golden Knights with two games in hand, and they host the Red Hot Toronto Maple Leafs here on Thursday, where Austin Matthews is up to 51 goals. It just keeps scoring. It's unbelievable. And that stuck up on me. Like if, if he's Well, he really, had two hat-tricks last week. I think he's right. got eight goals over the last week. So we weren't really in 50-50 and 50 mm-hmm. watch. No. But then all of a sudden, he came darn close he to came it. He really, really close. So, um, yeah. And he's on pace for like 75-plus goals. I mean, there have been very few. He could get 60-60. and 60. Uh, Yeah, he could. I mean, have, that'd have to, the hot streak would have to continue. But you're right. That would, that would be something else. But, the, yeah, the Canucks fans can turn into Leaf fans for a moment. And the um, Canucks are 12 up on the Edmonton Oilers, which sounds like a lot. Edmonton with five games in hand. Uh, we all took in some of that Edmonton-Boston game last Cracker. night. And it was – Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was – Edmonton-Vegas last week, Edmonton-Boston Wednesday night. Like, that's what the best of this league looks like. Right, like those were terrific games with great players on both sides. Edmonton's a fun team because they are are. so imperfect. Still, Mm -hmm. they are still imperfect. Like I don't know that they're capable, even in the playoffs, of winning a three-one game match. Like I don't think it's going to happen. Honestly, Colorado, Vancouver on Tuesday also had that sort of look to it, just a lower score. Yeah, Uh, didn't light up the board like Edmonton and Boston did on Wednesday evening. So Edmonton five games in hand, twelve back. The Canucks are playing tonight, Thursday. Edmonton is not, so they will have six games in hand. 
at the end of proceedings. And if the Canucks were to lose tonight, then Edmonton could pull into a heat if they won all six. Now, there's not a lot of teams in the league that I'd look at and go, oh, yeah, but you know, six-game winning streaks. Well, based on what Edmonton has done this year with a 17-gamer, I think you have to allow for that possibility, highly unlikely, but allow for the possibility that the Oilers are still in the Pacific hunt for number one. Um, of course, for that to happen, the Canucks would have to continue losing here. The uh, Canucks give back some games next week. They only play twice next week. So they do have to watch uh, a lot of action next week and see people try to catch up. Um, best put points in the yeah. bank before you do that. Well, and and uh, we were just looking at the schedule, 11 games in the National Hockey League on Thursday. And, you know, you're at that time of year where there's a lot of meat on the bone in these games. You know, Detroit needs to keep winning. They got Colorado in town. Devils with a rivalry game against the Rangers chasing a playoff spot. Habs and Pittsburgh, uh, Tampa and Washington, both of those teams hovering around the playoff bar. And then, of course, the Kraken here, Calgary hosting Boston and the Islanders Blues, which is uh, a non-conference game. But, of course, both of those teams are quite desperate. More Wait, on the what, Blues here in a second. And maybe this will be a poll question at some point. When do you think Canuck fans will exhale this season? Mm. Like, like, And maybe they never will, maybe not until the season is fully over, and I mean playoffs. But mm. when, when do you think they'll exhale and be like, okay, we know we're in – because even when you even if you get the X beside your name, but you're at 94 points, like you've still not really accomplished much there. Is it at the hundred point barrier? Do you think most people will exhale? Maybe not till first place is wrapped up. If yeah, first place is wrapped up. Yeah, maybe that's the yeah. exhale because you know that if so. you slip out of first place, you've got a hell of a first round matchup. Yeah, you do. Well, I mean. You're playing Edmonton or Vegas if you slip out of first and place. who's signing up for that? How about this? Arshdeep Baines off his National Hockey League debut Tuesday where he had two scoring chances himself. He created two scoring chances for Teddy Bluger. Skates with JT Miller and Brock Besser at Climate Pledge. The morning skate. Puce Suter down in that left wing role on the third line with Teddy Bluger. And Connor Garland, shout out Irv Gaffar, who said to us on the show Wednesday that we uh, we could very well see Baines have upward mobility soon. That yeah. Suter was not entrenched on that line, and and here we are. How about this for the kid? It's uh, it's a huge boost for him. Um, apparently, JT Miller, I saw Ben Kuzman making reference to a Miller comment after the game that uh, he was impressed by what Baines did. So there's a mutual admiration society, I'm sure, happening there. Um, I, I think this is probably just a little cake test for the for the uh, chemistry here. Like, I, I don't think he ever profiles as a top six NHL player. It's not cheering against him, though. I mean, I, I think this is a great opportunity for him to get his first National Hockey League goal. So yeah. I'll, I'll be I'll be cheering that on. But, you know, they haven't had – there was that one hat-trick game for Pew Suter, obviously. But well, they had a three-assist night uh, Monday, if I'm not really? mistaken. Oh, yeah, I guess in that game. Minnesota. That's a kind of a crazy yeah, game. Though. Everybody sort of fattened up. But, um, you know, like what is the kind of – what is the profile of winger that you want on that line with Besser and Miller? I don't know that we've necessarily been able to pigeonhole exactly what that player well, is. Well, um, it was three-assist Monday. 
I, I think it's a Di Giuseppe profile, just a better player than Di Giuseppe. Right. I mean, we were talking at the beginning of the year that Di Giuseppe does all the spade work, all the plumbing, goes and gets the puck for those two guys. And frankly, from what I saw at our uh, varsity Baines in his NHL debut, he's got that game. Wish he, he was. Wish he was a, in this role as a first liner. He's not as big a body. That's right. I wish he was a tad bigger, mm-hmm. but he plays bigger than he is. I think so. We'll see. Uh, it's just fun watching a new player, particularly a well. And the backstory. The backstory I mean, here is just yeah. outrageously good. Jed Wu actually, uh, and we'll get into this in a moment here. Um, recalled, he was on the ice mornings. He's not going to play them. Not going to play, no. Uh, Elias Lindholm is off power play one as it struggles. What is it, Grady? Three for 29? Uh, Snapped an 0 for 20 streak against the Minnesota Wild then came back out and went 0 for 2 against the Colorado Avalanche. So Lindholm is off power play one. And going with the rare two defensemen luck with Philip Roenick joining power play one and is that two point guys or is that chronic i wonder playing if, a little lower i think it's the opposite it's i'm gonna quinn i'm gonna guess ronick's up top shooting and i'm guessing hughes is a rover and he's allowed to no move. fixed position just do as you please well, i'm sure quinn. he has a fixed position but he, they want him to use his elusiveness and and mobility and I think the, what I to me what this feels like is a complete reaction to what they we saw the other night, which was the Avs gave the Canucks time and space in the power play, but there was no shooting lane. There was just and there, and of course Hughes' shot is not exactly a pain deterrent. He's got a, he's improved his shot, but it's not exactly like get let's get out of the way of this. You're going to test some bravery getting in the way of Philip Ronick's shot. So to me, it's a reaction to that. I, I, to me, my first reaction would have been keep the personnel and just um, rotate them. Rotate them, but mm-hmm. um, it's it's changed. And I, I think rather than keep on waiting for chemistry to click with the, the old formation, I think this was probably um, it's just this is a step forward. I, I would have gone the other way, but it's something at the very least. We expect Phil DiGiuseppe to be scratched and Sam Lafferty to get back into the lineup on that fourth. It's line. unclear if it's a healthy scratch. For Giuseppe because he did not skate at all was not a, didn't make an appearance mm-hmm. so we'll see. Uh, the roster moves mentioned that happened on Wednesday afternoon. So Dakota Joshua has been retroactively placed on IR. You can do this backdate a player onto the injured reserve or the LTIR based on when they started missing games. Carson Susi in that vein ret- retroactively to. LTIR, Jet Wu recalled. Now, the interesting part about these moves, Blake, is that this opens about $2.75 million, or it, it, it opens the Canucks cap up to a maximum of $2.75 mm-hmm. in available space. Is it possible they are making some cap maneuvers here to add a salaried player? Well, correct me if I'm trade? wrong as well, um, by putting... Dakota Joshua on IR as well, uh, that opens up a roster spot. Yes, a spot that was claimed by Wu. But Susie, was he on IR before that? Or is that is that two uh, roster spots opened up is my point? Give me a second. Yeah, I don't know if that's... But, well, a couple of things. Uh, number one, that they brought Wu up probably means they're 
at least a little concerned about somebody mm-hmm. on the blue line. And then secondly, um, they have created some cap space here should they want to add a salary player via trade without subtracting from the lineup. Yeah, they are at the full complement of okay. 23 yeah. players right now. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know that they're the Susie thing was just it was bound to happen anyway because mm-hmm. you want to use that space if you can um, going forward towards the trade deadline. So if he's gone nine games, you might as well put him on there. Or know he's going to be gone nine games, you might as well put him on there. Um, I mean, who knows? With Joshua too. I mean, in the blink of an eye, he'll be – you know, on the downward slope towards LTIR as well. You know, in the you know by the end of the week. Yeah, because Dakota Joshua is going to miss what his fourth game here against Seattle. Do I have that right? And then a will be a fifth game. Was he mid- injured versus the Jets? Or was he fighting? With? He was injured against McKenzie Antwistle in Chicago. Right after the this Garland will be hit. this will be the fifth game that Joshua misses. Boston on Saturday presumably will be the sixth game. Yeah, so that Joshua he's already misses. downhill towards LTIR as well. So unless he's starting to appear at practice, and I know he did a little twirl the other day with the mentors trip on. Um mm-hmm. but unless he starts and I'm gonna guess they want him to practice after missing a couple of weeks. One would think. Um, um especially I mean it's a it's a hand injury here. You gotta be testing the hand. Yeah, exactly. And, you gotta yeah. be sure that he can shoot and pass and so until we see him at practice, you, mm-hmm. you know, you'd think he's a week away, I would guess, and that's getting pretty close to getting some more dollars back. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We have chronicle, chronicled it from the start. This is kind of the geographic rivalry that has failed to launch for the Vancouver Canucks. The buildup to the Seattle Kraken franchise, the 32nd franchise in the NHL, was all about getting the Canucks finally, at last, that natural geographic rival that, of course, their foes in Alberta have always had between them, not to mention others around the National Hockey League, just down the coast with L.A. and Anaheim in the same neck of the woods. Well, between a really beige expansion season for Seattle, where they just weren't all that interesting. No. And uh, Nadia, Seattle Kraken fan, coming to the rescue of Brian Red Hamilton, Canucks assistant equipment manager, and noticing a mole on the back of his neck that turned out to be cancer. So he got checked out, got it removed, and may well have saved his life. And then they were good, and the Canucks were horrific. Exactly. The rivalry got a little stoked U.S. Thanksgiving weekend. The Canucks were down there on the Friday, got a big 5-1 win. At that point of the season, Canucks fans were already starting to feel pretty good about their team. A lot of winning had gone on to that point and continues to go on. And, of course, Vancouver was avenging a loss the previous week to the Kraken here at Rogers Arena. I suspect there'll be some Canucks fans in attendance down the I-5 today. So who knows? This could be the second building block to finally this Cascadia I-5 rivalry that we have been awaiting. Now, we do know it's going to take a playoff series to really crank up the gas on this rivalry, but tonight has some possibilities, particularly with the Canucks in a slump and probably feeling a little ornery about their lot. And and just in case they do face each other in the first round of the playoffs, wouldn't it be great to have a memorable game here as well? And Mm -hmm. there's, there's another one coming up, but... It'd be, it'd be nice to to see a bit of a preview for the playoff series by having some memorable games here. And, and of course, the Kraken have got the, you know, the, the radio stations there might be running the must-win poll question as well, um, podcast there, because 
it's a big game for them. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see. There should be some desperation there. Um, they hate Tyler Myers for a couple of hits that he's had. Um, so maybe Tyler Myers will be public enemy number one here. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an odd take for us here in Vancouver to see Tyler Myers as a bad guy anywhere. Mild-mannered Tyler he, Myers. Yes, but they hate him there for some reason. So uh, keep your eyes open uh, for that storyline as well. But it would be be nice if there was a, a chippy playoff kind of game. Yeah, Tyler Myers is almost hated as much as a 49er in Seattle. It's true. Yeah, he's on the enemies or list. Portland Timber. Yeah, yeah, he's on an en- he's on the enemies list. <laughs> Bo Jackson, some of those old Lakers guys who have gotten over on Seattle sports teams. All right, um, so that's the rivalry. Here's the other thing: Canucks need a win on the dad's trip. The dads have seen a couple losses here, including blowing a three goal lead in Minnesota. And not being able to get over the Colorado Avalanche. So this is the last chance to win for dad. And I would you guess always that, want to win for dad. I right? would guess that means something to them. Like, Oh, for sure. The, you go through the whole, the trouble, and this is the first one in a while. Um, you don't want to disappoint dad. You don't want to disappoint dad ever. Never. This one can attest. Kids, are you listening? You don't ever want to. <laughs> You're such a great dad. Or else, what happens, Blake? Exactly. You know what happened last night in the Price family household? Mrs. Price went to the Madonna concert. Blake toured around the kids to hockey Mm. and then stopped at Mickey D's on the way home because that's what dads do when mom's away. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Dad, can we eat the most unhealthy food going? Absolutely, kids. Your mother's at a concert. I felt a little bit bad. That's a little bit bad. Blake inhaled the QP. And not a double though. Disappointing. Was Everyone was happy. Then I went home and ate leftover sushi as well. Oh wow! Yeah. Craig J. Button releases his list of top fifty NHL affiliated prospects, and there is very good Vancouver Canuck content in the top ten. Tom Wheelander, number nine overall, according to Craig. NHL affiliated prospects. Remember, this is not including the. Draft class of 2024, uh, nor is it uh, in- including young players who are on entrenched on NHL rosters. Uh, Jonathan Lekramaki comes in at number 10. Hmm. So that's pretty good altitude. Yeah, and, of is. course, both of those guys have built on their prospect status this season. Lekramaki is the world junior MVP, having a heck of a season against men over in Sweden. And Wheelander at Boston University, the rare Swede to come over play NCAA hockey, has often been on a pair with fellow Canuck draft pick Aiden Celebrini. On the second pair, a, mostly right now. For a highly ranked Boston University Terriers yeah. team. Who's so, got UConn this weekend? Mm-hmm. Uh, also wanted to get to this, because this is a name I know some Canucks fans have been looking at. Now, granted more before the acquisition of Elias Lindholm. But TSN Aaron Dreger expects that Pavel Buchnevich will be traded by the St. Louis Blues. And you know, I read Jeremy Rutherford's piece in The Athletic. He's less sure that Buchnevich is going to be traded by, by March 8th. But Doug Armstrong, the GM there, has seemingly been messaging a path forward for some time they do want to do what the Canucks tried to do and mostly failed at and that is 
retool and be competitive along the way. So it's not going to be a full teardown in St. Louis. They are on a playoff spot, as we say. And heck, they added three first-round picks last year to their prospect pool. But Buchnevich available as a UFA after next season. So an acquiring team would have them for mm. presumably two the cap? Stanley Cup playoff runs. $5.8 million Ooh, good value. on the cap. He's a point-per-game player the last two seasons, folks. He's 43 points in 53 games this year, and he is one of four St. Louis Blues at 19 goals. they got a hell of a derby going on for the team leading goals. Buchnevich, Thomas Cairo, and Neighbors uh, playing – Almost 20 minutes a night. Has played the middle a little bit, 6'3", 200 there. So an interesting name, trade deadline-wise. And also, I mean, we, we've also talked about this, Blake. There are a couple of teams in the West, at least two, maybe more, St. Louis and Nashville, who, yeah, maybe you make the playoffs as a wild card this year but seem to have a greater plan afoot in Nashville under new general manager Barry Trotz and in St. Louis where, of course, Doug Armstrong knows uh, what it takes to win a Stanley Cup having won in 2019. So you you just wonder whether, first of all, I don't think you're going to see those teams buying, and I'm not even sure Minnesota, Seattle, or heaven forbid Calgary are going to be buyers. It might just be a whole bunch of teams standing pat and we'll see who winds up getting to the playoffs in the West there. Uh, you, you could see a scenario where some of these teams, Calgary in particular, or more, or are more likely to sell assets than acquire assets before March 8th. There are, I'm just looking at the Nashville roster. There are not many young players on that team. No. Like they no. are desperate to get younger um, and probably acquire a few more assets as well, but um, well, and Saros is the big name there. Too. And so, if you if you get into the playoffs, it's it's a great experience for those young players that you have. But you're just you're not dying to necessarily, right? Like you, you're probably not winning the cup, and it's not helping you in draft position. So you might as well might as well consider selling for sure. And the Blues are in the same kind of boat. The other matter I wanted to uh, address, just because we had it uh, we had it on yesterday's show. Um, so Jack Eichel goes to LTIR for the Vegas Golden Knights. Kelly McCrimmon, their general manager, did a podcast yesterday with um, uh, Jimmy Murphy and Pierre Maguire in Boston. And he said, oh, yeah, Eichel should be back soon. But in case you were worried about their LTIR cushion, Blake, and their ability to add for the coming, Mark Stone's going to be out for a while ah. now. Yeah. Right on cue. Right. So you circle Eichel in, and now we're going to miss Mark Stone, and he'll probably head to LTIR, and you get that bump. Hmm. I mean, I can't believe that Mark Stone would be gone for seven weeks, though. I mean, we're still ways away from the from the playoffs here. This is not like an April 4th end of the season like the old days here. So, no. it, um, I mean... I can't believe he's be gone for seven weeks. Nor would he want to be gone no, for seven no, weeks. No, no, no. He's I'm sure he'll be back at some point. It just seems Vegas has a lot of injuries, seemingly every year, and just seems like they're able to take advantage of those injuries. I hope for your sake that the Canucks do cross paths eventually with the Vegas Golden Knights in the playoffs so that you can exercise your ABV demons. Honestly, I don't really, um, 
So, you know, I don't cheer for any individual team. I cheer for stories. Mm -hmm. I cheer for things that help our lives, our shows. I would absolutely be cheering Canucks against that franchise. Mm -hmm. Uh, This season is different while we're on that topic. Like, I find myself kind of cheering for the Canucks because... I cheer for all you folks. Well, I want all one, you folks to have a thing, different storyline. Uh, I was certainly in the Canucks corner earlier in the season because I just could not bear another losing right. season, especially a season that goes off the rails by Remembrance Day. Yeah. Positive Canucks. I just media. couldn't have that. Well, we're, we're we done. can't have that. The market, the fan base could not have had that again. Yeah. So it's what makes it's what's made this season so delightful. Is they, they've not only surprised us. With the early winning, but they've just kept winning. Ten years of bleep hockey. Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by Greta. Uh, last chance, last call. We'll be there this evening, Thursday night. Watch party. Doors at six. Get your tickets on site or at nationgear.ca. They're ten dollars. Be giving away some prizes, food and drink specials, guaranteed good time. David Quadrelli, Harmon Dial, gonna host. Understand there's going to be some trivia. Yes. Stump Quadrelli, maybe. I got some questions in the bank here, ready to roll with. 50 West Cordova, Greta, we will see you there this evening. Coming up on the show, Brenton Demko, father to Thatcher. He's on the dad's trip and his first dad's trip. Mm-hmm. The Canucks, like a lot of other teams, have had some, um, well, of course, when COVID came around, it was... Kibosh, yeah. Well, there was one year there were there we weren't playing in front of audiences, mm-hmm. right? So this is actually his first dad's trip. He tells us a little bit about how everybody is getting along, some of their activities. Of course, of course, everybody's with Coldeep Baines as he watches his son Arsh Deep make his National Hockey League debut. So fun interview coming up there. We'll do some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter. Frankie Corrado will join us. Where an angry Canuck fan slid into his LinkedIn. You got to be really motivated, folks. Canucks really LinkedIn. Really motivated. Scary place that Canucks oh, yeah. LinkedIn. Notorious. Notorious spot. Canuck LinkedIn. What, what level of anger do you have to reach about a hockey game yeah. or a hockey team that you're popping off on LinkedIn? Yeah. Like what's what's the next frontier? Like you're gonna get into their MySpace as well? Uh, like where, where where else are you going? Gonna send them a registered letter, <laughs> mail. Yeah. <laughs> Best bets are a presentation of sports mm-hmm. interaction. Your homegrown sports book at Casino. Uh, I'm gonna go to the over on the Oilers because I don't know that they know how to, to do anything but the over. Mm-hmm. Um, they hit the over last night with the Bruins. Fun game. And uh, the Minnesota Wild have allowed 13 goals in their last two games. The over is six and a half. I'm not nervous at all there. Like, no. it, to me, it's just fait accompli. No two, sweat. 205 for the Oilers to hit the over. With Incidentally, the Rob Williams is going to join us on the show today as well. Um, believe it or not, MLS played a regular season match yeah. Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Miami, Messi. We're back on season 2024 in MLS. Caps don't play this week. No, next week. Are they? It looks like a pretty full schedule, though, on the weekend. It's a bye week. A bye week Mm. out of the shoot for Vanny Sartini's. 
Whitecaps. Well, they're not his Whitecaps. Oh, that's right. For game one, he is. For uh, a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Seattle Sounders, I realize they may not be what they used to be. That's still a tough place to play. Big crowds usually. Kind of damp, damp and chilly. As you know, the first 10, I believe Christian Jack said this to us once. There's a lot of coaches in the MLS that the first 10 games, it's just about feeling out who they got, what they got, what works, what doesn't work. They don't get overly concerned about dropped points early in the season. You don't want to dig a hole. If you're a good team. You don't want to dig a hole, but you you don't worry about it. LAFC is a very good team. They're the defending Western Conference champions. And so I'm sitting here looking at getting a home team at 460 early in the season when all sorts of things can happen in MLS. Give me the Sounders in regulation to beat LAFC at 460. Sure. I like it. Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book and casino. Custom props and parlays. Speaking directly to a Vancouver fan. Scan the code, get a 200% welcome bonus from Securus and Price. It's Sports Interaction. Bet local, must be 19 years of age. Please play responsibly. Well, Blake, four years ago, January, before the uh, world changed, shut down, Yeah, uh, we had an opportunity to spend a week in San Diego, California at Whitecaps training camp, and we were organizing guests with local ties to San Diego. We said, oh, Dr. Demko's from San Diego. Well, next thing we know, his dad, Bretton Demko, is driving out to our hotel to sit down and do an interview with us poolside as i recall to talk about a young goaltender yeah, burgeoning exactly. goaltender yes and he's on the dad's trip with the canucks and brenton demko joins us from seattle how you doing brenton good to see you again i'm doing well good to see you guys uh your first dad's trip yes explain um, well uh you know like we were just chatting uh briefly due to covid and you know some other issues there has not been one since thatch has been with the canucks mm-hmm. and so uh you know this year they've organized it and you know when thatch called with the news i was pretty thrilled uh, just having an absolute blast it's a it's a shared experience in a lot of ways isn't it being a hockey dad there's probably just a lot of commonalities guys telling stories on this trip that you're like yeah that happened to us too and that's really it must be uh it must be a little affirming just to know that everybody's sort of been in the same boat over the last couple of decades. No, absolutely. And it's interesting to hear because, you know, I still get nervous during games and it's great to hear that other dads also are still getting nervous during games. <laughs> and so, but you're right. A, a lot of similar stories. Um, you know, I don't think that I've heard one that I haven't heard before either through personal experience or just knowing other hockey dads. And so there is quite a bit of commonality. I, so. I, I, I sit beside goalie dads all the time. Did last night, in fact, watching my daughter's game. And, and you know, it's it's that extra bit of uh, nerves, at least at the minor hockey level. When your son's an all-star, do, do some of the nerves go away? Like, you know he's good. You know he can do it. Or is it still kind of the same as it always has been? It's always the same as it has been. Yeah. I, I thought it would start waning a little bit, but uh, no, unfortunately not. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, and tell us about the uh, tell us about your experiences there with all the dads. Like, do they have an itinerary for you? Are you guys on your own? Like, uh, describe how uh, the mechanics of this works day to day. No, there there is an itinerary. Uh, yesterday it was a team day off, and uh, they organized an event out at a, a Top Golf thing where we all got to smack some balls around and. 
and just kind of socialize and, you know, get to know the dads, other dads a little bit better. And, and, you know, other than that, it's like this morning, we're heading off to the team morning skate here in a little bit. Um, and so they've, they've done a very good job on organizing uh, events to kind of keep us in the mix and truly experience what the team goes through on a day by day basis while they're on the road. Who have you been uh, sitting beside watching the games with? I hate to admit this, but I sat by myself because <laughs> <laughs> goalie dad, goalie dad. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was uh, I think it was Mr. Bluger was sitting maybe one seat over from me, but I I was kind of in my one chair just mm. chewing my gum and doing my thing. So yeah, um, poor Mr. DeSmith, did he require some consoling in Minnesota? Uh, no, I, I mean, that's the thing with goalie parents. I mean, we understand there's games that happen like that. And, you know, I was even talking to Thatch about it. And, you know, at certain points, games like that just kind of take on a life of their own. They really and, do. and as a goalie, it just reaches a point where you just have to go out there and chuckle about it and just pretend you're at shinny or something and just, you know, get through that. Um, and so we did briefly talk about it, but, it, you know, it was no big issue. I don't know that the dad's trips or the mentor's trips have always uh, got a like a juggernaut game, um, but you guys, you guys stepped into one in, in mm-hmm. Denver, uh, especially with that Minnesota game sort of as the backstory. Uh, that game felt like there was something on the line. I think both teams took it that way too. Yeah, I I was uh, I, I was very interested interested to see how that was going to play out because of the travel, the altitude. Uh, the, the game the day before, and it, it felt like a playoff game. And mm-hmm. I, I know that's a cliche term that people start throwing around this time of year, but I, I mean, the electricity in the arena was just off the charts. And uh, I thought that both teams played extraordinarily well. Um, you know, I would love to see that matchup at some point in the future. Yeah, hopefully with a, a Stanley Cup berth on the line, perhaps, huh? Yeah, possibly. Mm. <laughs> Um, tell us about Kuldeep Baines. You had a uh, heartfelt post and a photo uh, with the two of you watching the game the other night as Arsteep made his NHL debut. Yeah, you know, it was uh, brought back a lot of memories from when, you know, we flew up to Vancouver to watch Thatch play in his debut against Columbus uh, four or five years ago, whatever that was now. And um, I just remember how nervous I was that game. And the dad that just happened to be in town was Tim Horvat. And, you know, Tim kind of took me aside for a second and just checked in on me to see how I was doing with my nerves. So I, I was able to do that with Kuldeep. I had met him uh, in the team room before we went to the game. You know, we were just kind of saying, hey, is this tonight going to be the night? They have a good feeling tonight's going to be the night. And then when he came out and did his lap, you know, I just had to go over and and share a couple words with Kuldeep just because I, I'd been there five years ago. I think it's now been, and, uh, and it was just good to share that experience with him. And it was such a good performance. I'm sure all of you were sort of uh, giving uh, Kuldeep a, a pat on the back there. Cause it was a job well done by his son, wasn't it? Uh, well, imagine this. So he's on the road in his first NHL game and he's lined up opposite of Miko Rantan with McKinnon and Drew and, and McCarr yeah. on that line for his first shift in the NHL. Yeah. I mean, wow. Memorable I mean, stuff. Yeah. Well, but also he's watching it with a bunch of dad people who he really has just gotten to know in the, you know, days and hours beforehand. 
knowing full well the camera may be on me yeah. at certain times. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah, I, yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah, no, he he was great. And uh, you know, I, I just think that he really had the opportunity to soak it in. You know, I'm I'm sure perfect world, maybe he would have been great to be surrounded by family and friends that he's been with, you know, all through our Steve's uh, career up to this point, but I, I, it was awesome. I, I just was really, really grateful that I was able to share that moment with him. Uh, Dakota Joshua's brother, Brock Besser's brother are on the trip or the dad's keeping up with the young bucks. Yeah. You know, he was uh, Brock and uh, his brother, Paul were in my golf little group yesterday. So I got mm. to know Paul a little bit uh, yesterday and had some friendly competition with him on the, on the golf uh, simulator thing. And I was able to talk to Dakota's brother for a little bit as well, but no, they're great. They're fitting in right with the group and you know, it's, it's great to have them on board as well. Hey, uh, last time we talked to you, California hockey, it's coming, man. It's coming. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I've been a little bit out of the loop lately. And part of that is uh, it's unfortunate, but the rink that Thatch grew up playing a lot of his youth hockey in has closed down. And so San Diego specifically, we lost two sheets of ice. Um, But the good news, I guess, is that the uh, Anaheim Junior Ducks program has kind of folded. I I don't want to say folded in the Junior Goals program, but they they manage one of the rinks now here down in San Diego. Um, And so some of the numbers of youth participation in San Diego specifically have dropped. But a lot of those kids, when they need the AAA experience, they're still able to get up to Anaheim and L.A., and uh, I, I think it's just going to continue to grow. You know, hopefully somebody will come in and put another rink in San Diego because there's there is a demand. And uh, it's just one of those things that, um, you know, I don't know the specific ins and outs as to why that rink closed. But it's it, I mean, I, I don't think it's ever been stronger. Uh, you know, the Kings are doing OK this year. You know, the Ducks hopefully will start turning around a little bit because that always seems to, when those two teams have the intense rivalry, always seems to build the interest as we, as it goes. And so right now I'd say the from an NHL standpoint, maybe the California teams aren't doing great, but there's still the desire there and, and the interest level at the grassroots level for sure. Yeah, I was talking developmentally. Uh, in fact, there's a kid, Trevor Connolly, he's spent some time with the San Diego Gulls from Tustin, California. He'll be a mm. first-round pick this year. Shortly after we chatted with you, the uh, bubble experience uh, was given to, uh, to to Thatcher, and and you know that went about as well as we could have expected. Uh, they went on a storybook run, but of course that wasn't in front of fans, wasn't in Vancouver. Uh, is Thatcher shared anything with you about his excitement about playoff hockey in Vancouver with fans and what that might be like for him this year? Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's the goal every year. And, you know, you guys know that because, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about it every year and, and the first hurdle, I guess, is, is done. And that was getting out of the gate strong. And that was the team mentality, you know, Thatch and I think, the entire team was in town early this year because they wanted to continue the standards that they had started to set at the end of last year. And now that you've got over that hump and okay, we came out of the gate strong and then everybody was expecting the Canucks to drop off and that didn't happen. And now, now you're facing the playoffs and the fact that yes, you know, we are have a legitimate shot of getting there and being able to play in front of our fans 
I mean, we, we've talked briefly about it. It's, um, you know, Thatch likes to stay in the moment. And Yeah, and there's really... no X beside the name just yet, so I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. And so, but we, we have had minor chats about it. And, yeah. and so I know that the excitement is there, but the team truly is uh, focused just on tonight's game. And then after tonight's over, the focus on the Bruins on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So it's... Uh, it's a testament to the coaching staff as well. I, I was fortunate, you know, they, they've introduced themselves. They've been very gracious. You know, I've, I've talked to Patrick Alvin a couple of times. I actually just met Ian Clark for the first time this morning. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, and so, yeah, it's been great. And I, I think that the, the team from the coaching staff down truly has the right mindset heading into this final stretch run. Hey, Brenton, uh, Thatcher's a uh, Vezina candidate this year, first goaltender to 30 wins. Compare and contrast a little bit, you know, this year and the feeling and the enjoyment compared to last year when sadly he's injured for most of the year and really didn't find his game till late. I think uh, the health component to it has just been huge. And, you know, especially for Thatch when, you know, when his body doesn't I guess, keep up with the rest of what he's trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just the worst, worst feeling for any athlete, I think, because you know that you've got the ability, you've got the desire to go out there and be better every day and contribute. And when you physically can't do that, that just takes such a toll on you mentally. Um, and so, you know, Thatch worked with his, his people and uh, took the time to really get mentally stronger, you know, physically stronger. You know, I, I don't think he's he's ever been in better shape. Um, and so, you know, he's seeing the fruits of that and being able to look back of, of some of the dark times from last year and saying, yeah, okay, I had to go through that just given my circumstance and make sure that he used that downtime in the right way. I mean, the proof's in the pudding and uh, it is a lot more fun going to the rink when you're able to compete at the level that you know you can. Yeah. You guys aren't done in Seattle, are you? Is everybody coming back for the Bruins game? I mean, it's hard to, you know, draw a finish line because I'm sure it's fun and all that. But <laughs> but tell me you guys are coming back for the Bruins game. Well, I think they're flying us to Vancouver, but I, th- I think that's when the dad trip ends. Yeah. Um, I personally am staying through Monday because I, I do want to see the Bruins game, but I'm also wanting to visit with my grandson. Ah, very nice. Well, enjoy that time, and uh, let's hope they get you and the dad's win here yes. in oh, Seattle. I, 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 I'm cheering along those same lines for yeah. sure. Best Great stuff, Brenton. Thanks for this. Great catching up with you. Be well. No problem. Take care. Thanks. Price from Wall Center presentation Applewood Auto Group. Applewood GM Import Hardy. You want a classic truck? You want one that can take you from A to B with big load on the back as well? Mm-hmm. The GMC Sierra 1500. Get it at the Applewood GM Import Hardy. Financing from 0.99%. Give me a call. It's all good at Applewood. I am a big load. It's true. Poll question today is tonight. I can't say it with a straight face. I just can't. It's tonight a must win for the Canucks. Oh, I thought you were talking about the load part. Okay. Oh, that too. 
Uh, or is tonight a must win? Define as you see fit. Might be a might, uh, must win for the Kraken. Big daddy. That's right. I want to say it was October 20th or 21st. Well, it was the record for, yeah. for, for Dave Pratt's first must-win drop of a Canucks season. I believe T-Mart or someone tracked it over several years. <laughs> God bless him. Yes or no, you can vote at Twitter and YouTube. And speaking of Twitter, it's time for hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter.com. I'm going to lead us off with our friend... Um, Farhan Lalji, who notes that Vernon Adams' deal, signed an extension this week, is fairly team-friendly. So $395,000 with bonuses that get him to four hundred and five, two dollars $200,000 signing bonus. And then next year, 500000 with some bonus potential. And 2026, 505 with some bonus potential and he has a 50% guarantee on the salary there or sorry 50% of his 241,000 base salary is guaranteed so good on Vernon for signing a deal that allows the BC Lions to uh, effectively use their salary cap dollars and provide him the weapons and the protection of course build the defense and something else that Farhan has noted here because the Lions and Bombers finish first and second in the league for the most amount of offensive and defensive snaps played by Canadians, they're receiving bonus draft picks this year, picks 19 and 20. Lions will pick uh, 19. Nothing to sneeze at, by the way. 19 and 20 yeah. is pretty good. Uh, um, quite good. End yeah. of the second round. And um, Farhan notes this replaces the territorial picks that the league had been giving at picks 19 and 20 to the bottom two teams in the league. I like it. You know, there should be an incentive playing Canadian football players, especially, uh, you know, in regular defenses and regular offenses. So good on the Lions for excelling. We we talked far and wide about how great their Canadian content was last year. It can be more difficult this year with Metchia Betts down in the NFL. But uh, good on the league mm-hmm. for, for incorporating this rule and encouraging the use of Canadian players. At Covers. Charlie Woods is participating in the Cognizant Classic pre-qualifier today. If he qualifies, he would become the fourth youngest player to ever play in a PGA-sanctioned event. So pre-qualifier, into the qualifier, then maybe into the event. So he's got some hoops to jump through here. Um, But, I mean, he's got – I mean, he's so young now. How old is he? He's 16, isn't he? Um, his swing is absolutely his father's at the young age. As some have said he's actually got a little bit of a Rory injection, though. It's like dad with a little bit of Rory attached to it. It is violent. Yeah. He swings with purpose. It's pretty exciting. Like he, he I'm not saying he's going to have his dad's career, no. but he, but just to see another smooth swing in woods out there, it's going to be a lot of fun. At Jazzery Football, the Raiders will explore trading for Bears quarterback Justin Fields and have, quote, genuine genuine interest in him per Tony Pauline. Uh, He reports that the Raiders are exploring a trade for Fields. We talked yesterday that it's going to be an interesting NFL offseason on the quarterback side of things where Russell Wilson is expected to move on. 
from Denver, where you have free agents in Baker Mayfield, and Kirk Cousins, where who knows, Seattle might get busy at quarterback, either with a trade or in the draft. And then there's the Justin Fields piece, and I think the quieter... Um, it's been reasonably quiet on that front, and I suspect that we're going to hear a decision from the Bears at some point soon here as to whether they're going to keep that first overall pick and take a quarterback or stick with Justin Fields. But, you know, the Raiders, they love that vertical passing game, and Fields has a big, big arm, not to mention he might be the best running back in the league. So bring some excitement to a team that... Um, wasn't very exciting last year. No. They played a 3 nothing game, the yeah. Raiders did. Yeah. Well. You're in Vegas. You need to bring that You need pizzazz. a bit of a show. That sizzle, a a absolutely. Uh, big news yesterday in Canadian soccer. Um, legal proceedings, sort of uh, a setup for a lawsuit. From what I understand, this is not actually a lawsuit yet, uh, but it's the setup for a lawsuit. kind of prolongs the statute of limitations a little bit here. Um, put forth by the women's team and their affiliated union um, at Megan Johnson from TSN. I asked Jesse Fleming, the newly named captain, if she could speak about how long the players have been discussing a lawsuit against Canada soccer board members and the mood among the players, given the timing they're about to start the women's gold cup. This is her full answer. They play today. This is her full answer. To be honest, it's something that's being dealt with in the courts. And so I think from a player's perspective, we're not going to comment on it right now. But I think just reiterating what Bev said, the mooding camp is really good and we feel really good as a group right now. To be honest, it's just not something that's being talked about among the players at this point in camp, which to me is a little bit interesting well, in that, I mean, it's a, it's a huge step. Is it a $40 million lawsuit? Yeah. Did I see that right? I mean, I... Uh, I do against wonder a, against I, a volunteer board. Yeah, which I found. Uh, well, you also I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but you can't draw blood from a stone. Like, where's the money? Like, well, they, I believe they're suing these people personally. Personally, yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, uh, and again, to note, the men are not involved in this. The men's side no. of things, which is interesting, because of course it's the men's World Cup that is being hosted by Canada in part. Coming up in 2026. And if something were to go really off the rails here, mm -hmm. FIFA has something called normalization, which means they effectively take over an NSO, the association, the FIFA membership, yeah. basically saying, you guys are so off the rails here, we're stepping in. Right. Um, God. Would that happen prior to a World Cup on home soil here? It's It's got to be so utterly disappointing for the diehard soccer fan in this country, like uh, someone who would consider themselves a voyageur, that you go through a large period of dysfunction between the men making their first appearance in the World Cup. You see these incredible rise of the women, women's program, you know, mostly on the back of Christine Sinclair, FIFA's all-time leading goal scorer. You get to a point where that program can compete with anybody in the world and has an Olympic gold medal and a couple of Olympic bronze medals. And then the rise of this golden genera generation of male players and to still have all this boardroom crap going on mm -hmm. and still have all this dysfunction, grievance, and everything that 
really is uh, not far from skin skin deep. The the biggest contention here is um, why. Like it's no nobody's disputing it. it's a bad deal with CSB. Yeah. No one's disputing that. I don't think. No. But the contention in the legal filings here are that they did not act on be in the best interest of Canada soccer. They acted in the best interest of the CSB, which is a third party. So why would they do that? Yeah, I, I mean that's a, that's a heck of a statement. Again, I'm not a lawyer, but. They had zero leverage or very little leverage when they made that deal with CSB. And can you sue someone for making a bad business deal? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, like, do, do you not have to prove that there was an intention there? Right. You have and, to connect the dot to see yeah. why. Like, so, anyways, yeah. I, I'm, I look forward to the games. <laughs> yeah. And the Gold Cup is starting. Cannot place today. Mm-hmm. Uh, lastly, for me, at Pete Blackburn. Covering hockey. Somebody please concisely recap the Jack Hughes fake girlfriend story so so I don't have to watch a seven-part TikTok tell-all. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Did, did you I don't know anything here? about this, and I'm afraid to ask. I scrolled over it. Is this Manti Teo level? Or? No, it's a, a young lady positioned on social media for more than a year that she was Jack Hughes's girlfriend. She went to the extent of making fake Insta accounts for guys like Trevor Zegras, Cole Caulfield, you know, Pierce of Hughes yeah. coming up. That followed her account. She posted pics of Jack's family on her Instagram story claiming oh, she creepy. was there. She edited herself into pictures Jeez. with Jack. And this came to light because Jack Hughes was spotted with a young lady. And it wasn't her. It yeah. wasn't her. Yeah. And so she claimed he was cheating on her. Anyways. Oh, my gosh. There's there's a similar one with Tyler Sagan, too. Like, this girl. Was and I don't know the details fully, but, like, creep stalked him to the point where they ended up getting married. Anyways, someone wow. out there can look into what? the. They, what do you mean they got married? Look it up. Look it up. I don't <laughs> no, know no, the no. details. No, no. They either did or didn't. Was no, it? no. Did, they did Tyler married? Sagan marry her or not? Yes. Look it up. Okay. Truth is Anyways, sometimes stranger than fiction. I, uh, I I bet Jim Hughes is quite happy to be in Seattle watching Quinn play hockey tonight. We'll, f- we'll finish on this one. As opposed to dealing with this. At Tom Bogert, uh, MLS got underway last night. Messi versus yes, Real Salt it, Lake. Did it ever. At Tom Bogert, I still cannot get over this angle of Lionel Messi dribbling over an injured player last night and nearly scoring. Did you see the clip? I did not. You, I saw the goal. Google homework, everyone. Okay. Messi uses a fallen Salt Lake player, basically like a pick, and chips the ball over the midsection of the, the fallen player's on his back. He chips it over the belt of the fallen player and then gets a half volley away um, that's blocked in front. But, like, Messi must think, ah, oh, this is a child's play. <laughs> there is an element of that. They they do get a win. And first one was Suarez in the lineup. I went course. to go play soccer in America, and they all fell down. And so I just chipped it over them and half-ollied it. And that's hashtags for today.
Former Vancouver Canuck and TSN hockey analyst Frank Corrado likes to say that Canucks Twitter is undefeated, but perhaps we need to expand beyond just the Twitter platform, Frankie. Listen, I got all the time in the world for Canucks Twitter, Canucks fans. What I don't have time for is in a very professional setting like LinkedIn. I don't need a message on LinkedIn where you come at me all pissed off that I said that the Canucks couldn't handle the physical uh, Winnipeg Jets on a Saturday night. And they, you like, if you saw my hit with Jay on right the next day, I, I said that I felt like Vancouver got running around in that game and that opened up some ice for Winnipeg and they were too focused on winning the physical battle instead of winning the game. And I've never seen this before but I got a message on LinkedIn. First of all, I accepted the guy because oh. I accept everyone on LinkedIn. I just assume, you know, let connect. They want to make right? a deal. They want to make right. a deal. And yeah. Seconds, professional people. After, I see my phone pop up and it's some dummy all pissed off saying that I'm biased. I played for the Canucks, but I'm biased towards the Jets. Right. Get out of here on LinkedIn. Get a life, LinkedIn. You're biased against the team that you played for, but not. Yeah, I'm not following. Okay. LinkedIn, well, and, and, okay. If this is my Instagram picture, okay, with the two gone, my LinkedIn picture's got to be like, you know, very prim and proper, suit and tie. Like, yes, yeah. Ridiculous. ridiculous. Time and place. Time and place. And well, not to mention what your take was is pretty much the take of everybody after that game. As Juleson chases the hit, allows the, like, I mean, everybody was, everybody was saying that. So, yeah. No, but. <laughs> What I'm thinking about with this is homeboy was probably, you know what? I'm going to go after them on LinkedIn. Yeah. Everybody goes after them on Twitter. I'm going to go sneak and attack. put out these. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it's a sneak attack. Yeah. It's a Trojan horse. Yeah. You know, what, you know what LinkedIn is filled with? You know what LinkedIn is filled with? People saying, hey, so-and-so would love to see if there's some synergy be between our two brands. Why don't we hop on a call? And mixed into that was, I can't believe how biased you are. Yeah. Uh, take a hike. Now, would Let's you like to invest energy. in my Bitcoin company? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, Congratulations on your work anniversary. anniversary. <laughs> 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 Congrats on the new role. Oh, it's so God. fake. Like, people do not talk like that in real life. No kidding. Okay. Have I got a deal for you, though, Frank Corrado? Um, What'd you make of the bounce back after a game that can oh. not really be described versus the Minnesota Wild? Did you, do you believe in moral victories for a first place Why team? Why are you doing this? As they go toe -to -toe You're just baiting me. You're just ass. waving the red meat in uh, front of my face. What did you Listen, think of the effort? Um, moral victories. Okay. Like, you know, it's great to have uh, bounce back performances and, you know, it's it's such a delicate thing I find in a regular season where a team can go on a slide. You don't you don't bounce back from it for a long time. So at least you do it sooner rather than later. But that was that was crazy. Like for lack of a better term, no pun intended. That was wild. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I don't know how to describe what we what we saw in that game. It was truly one of the most bizarre displays of hockey. But listen, it's a long year. Okay, it's 82 games. There's ups and downs. There's days you go to the rink, you feel like crap. Uh, there's days you go to the rink and you, you know you just don't have it. So 
yes, there is something to be said internally within the group where it's like, we kind of know leaving the rink that we, we gave it an honest effort and that was a good game. And you can, like, you can justify that kind of stuff. Like the players, coaches always kind of say that if we're going to lose a game, let's lose a game where we actually played pretty well. Like the other team actually beat us and um, that's going to happen. And I, I thought that's what would happen with the Canucks against Colorado. Alevino used to always say at the end of a winning streak, you're playing bad and winning. And at the end of a losing streak, you're playing well and losing. Um, I, so tonight, you know, versus the Kraken, I would say, you know, you'd want to see that continuation though, right? You'd want to see that another good game to lead you to believe that the wins are not too far on the corner. If it's not, if it's not tonight at all. Yes, exactly. And I, I saw you guys, the, the poll question today, like, is it a, a must win? I wouldn't say it's, it's a must win, but in order for like the group to kind of believe in things here, like which they should, and they, they absolutely should, but it's almost like one of those things where within the group, we're not messing around because we've lost some games now in a row and you, you've basically like you've seen what the spiral can be at times, although this year it hasn't really happened. Like, let's write the ship. And the best way to do that is is to get a win. And so while it's not technically a must win, I think there's, there's going to be a lot of urgency. Like I, I sense there's going to be a heightened sense of urgency in this game. And um, I would imagine like less mistakes, you know, a little more tighter defensively, a little more onus on, hey, let's make sure we block that shot, like all that kind of stuff, because it is good to have little moments in the season where you get tested, where you get tested by the schedule or the teams or or even your coach, like your coach is going to throw that out there and walk in the room and say, guys, this is a very good challenge for us today, where we played better, we didn't get the results, like let's do it for ourselves here to kind of know that we can turn things around as quick as possible. And that's what I, I would expect back from the Canucks we have to let you in on the joke though the must win poll question our old colleague Dave Pratt who you were a Canuck when Dave Pratt was yeah, on I the remember the name. Yeah. yeah so Dave Big Daddy you know used to break out the must win in late October yeah this you, is tasteful usually, this is downright tasteful day. <laughs> so we're having yeah. some fun with with that today um speaking of fun the dad's trip and we uh, were talking to Brenton Demko on today's show, Thatcher's dad. Did Big Sal get on a, a dad's trip, your father, at one point? Two of them. One with the Canucks and one with the Leafs. You guys want to hear a great dad's trip story? Please. Please. Oh, man. This is a doozy. <laughs> I got to set the scene for you. So this is in, in Vancouver. We're, we're doing the dad's trip in Chicago and Minnesota. Yeah. And they treat us so well. Like it was, you know, first class experience. All the dads are really enjoying it. Think about all the the sacrifice these guys, you know, have um, and go through to get get us to to that level. And so I'm not I'm hurt at the time, so I'm not playing. So I'm hanging out with the dads up in the booth, and I'm sitting on one of the couches in the suite um, during the game. Cause it's just tight in there. Like there's not enough seats for everyone. So some guys are kind of taking shifts, going to the seats to watching on the, on the TV, whatever. Underneath the TV is all the food stationed. Right. And me and my dad are sitting there. We're watching the TV. There's another father next to us. It's a very prominent figure in the Vancouver Canucks organization. Very, very high up. 
and he is situated standing where the food is blocking the TV. Now, another father says to that gentleman, excuse me, can you please get out of the way of trying to watch the game? Something along those lines. I'm not going to tell you whose father it was, but I will say that person may have been paying for the whole shindig. <laughs> and oh, my no. dad and I, we mm-hmm. laugh, like we still laugh about that to this day. That like that was the big cheese, and he was standing in front of the TV, and this other father had no idea. Oh and no, they, no <laughs> idea. He wasn't no just bold. Idea. He just was no idea. Like didn't know it. Like get like out of the way, please. Trying to watch the game, and did not realize who he, he was talking to. And it was the craziest. My dad and I were beside ourselves, we, and, and no, like no one really saw it except us. And like mm-hmm. the amount that we laughed the rest of the day, the rest of the trip, we couldn't believe it. We what was decided. the look on the uh, aggrieved face when the request was made? Disbelief? It was a little bit of like, okay. And then just kind of like <laughs> moved out of the way, like very polite, like very, you Didn't know, make very polite mean. about yeah. it all. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Who put it this was, thing together? Was, Me. That's who. <laughs> like it was like, all right, you know, I'll move, but oh man, it was, it was something. It was something. Hey, you, you have told us in the past, you go way back with Phil DiGiuseppe, and I know you're amused watching his dad, Luciano DiGiuseppe, watch the game in the box the other night. It was great. It was great to see, uh, they, they showed the, the, the booth and, and you see Luch. And so Phil and I played minor hockey together. And Luch got a great mustache. It's original. It's still there. But it didn't matter how bad you played. And, you know, some parents can be really hard on their kids. Or, like, you'd come out from the dressing room carrying your hockey bag. There was Luch. Fist bump. Great game, buddy. Like, the most positive guy ever. Um, Yeah, very, very nice. You could have had the worst game. You could have had, like, three giveaways. Fist bump. Pat on the back. It's okay, buddy. It's all good. You know, you, you go. You get get back after it next game like just just the nicest gentleman ever uh what'd you make of the uh the baines reaction um our steep makes his debut uh i'm sure you sure you it, it gives you the feels to think back to those moments when you see uh, a dad and a, and a son enjoying the, that kind of a night for sure and listen everyone's first nhl game means a lot i think there was a lot behind his first nhl game just right. because like Different from surrey undrafted mm-hmm. like the, the demographic that he represents, like, I think there's a lot of power behind that and, and kudos to him, man. Like he, he, he did it. Like he's, he's done it the hard way. He's had to prove himself every step along the way. And he finally gets the opportunity. I thought he looked really good. Like I thought it was, it was a very good showing in a very difficult circumstance. You're playing at altitude in Colorado, which is hard for veterans. Never mind someone playing their first game. Um, thought he, he made some good plays with the puck. Uh, he wasn't afraid to kind of bring the puck into the middle of the ice. Like all the things that, you know, you kind of think make him a good player at the AHL level. He's having so much success there. He basically did at the, you know, in his, in his first game. So um, I, I think that was awesome. And just, you know, to see the reactions from that community um, and just how much, how much it, it means, it was, it, it's very cool. And obviously, you know, with Vancouver, 
um you know there's 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 surrey like there's just a big population that he represents and i think it was it was so cool that he was able to do it for his hometown team pretty pretty amazing story the key at the nhl level is consistency obviously but it's not like he scored two if he scored two or you're not expecting that uh, out of him every single night you wouldn't expect him to replicate that but the way he played is kind of what we thought his game is like maybe that is doable on a more nightly basis for our steve baines well I mean, listen. You you go up to the NHL. You're 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 riding on adrenaline early on, um, and you know you're almost you're not thinking. You're naive to things. Like it's just very instinctual. Then it becomes a grind, and and at some point, like if you stay up long enough, that that becomes the the biggest hurdle. You know, we've been talking about Quinton Byfield all week because he scores that great oh, goal yeah. against Columbus, and he's having such a big season. And one of the points that I think is worth noting out with Byfield and how he's he's really arrived this year, and it's maybe taken him a little while. There's obviously a few reasons why that's the case. Like you could say the you know COVID kind of taken away some of his junior hockey, you know, may have stunt, stunted development. Um, sometimes it just you know you have all the skill and you have all the tools, you just can't put it together. Part of the reason that is is you play junior hockey, you play in the AHL. You basically play on Fridays, Saturdays, you sprinkle in the odd Wednesdays and you get some Sunday games. So as far as managing your season goes, you know that your, you know, your kind of down days are early in the week. You ramp it up, you play your games, you have a day off, you kind of do the same thing. It's a reset and you ramp it up again. And it's that over and over and over again. The NHL does not allow you to do that. You play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday. You know, you're playing. You don't have the time to, to kind of like ease into the week and ramp things up. So, you know, you start playing games here fast and furious and you're like, I have no confidence and I have four games in six days and I'm screwed. And, you know, that's that's the reality. And, you know, for for young players, that's one of the big, biggest hurdles um to to overcome that kind of doesn't really get talked about unless you've really been through that grind and I know myself like I struggled with that and and you know there's there's other players that do but for for a young player you know OHL or WHL AHL like it's pretty straightforward you get to the NHL it's not it's not that easy you're in uh, Pittsburgh doing the Habs Penguins game uh we got into this with Saravelli last week and you might have some insight on this as a former Penguin and teammate. Can you ever see a day where Sydney puts on a different sweater? I don't. I don't. I, I think he's so deeply embedded in the the team fabric, the community fabric, um, like to, to the extent that Mario was here. And I mm-hmm. think you look at that kind of mentorship where he comes into the league, lives with Mario. They've obviously remained very close over the years. Like, I would imagine his legacy is going to follow in, in, in the same footsteps. And I, I can't, I just can't imagine a world where Crosby's not a penguin. It's got a lot of game left. And maybe that's the, the enticing thing where it's like, man, what if he that's could it. go have an opportunity to win, but it's not Ray Bork. It's not a Ginla. Like the, he's, he's won three Stanley cups here. He's, he's done everything he, he possibly can. Those guys were chasing cups. And that's not to say that, Sid's not highly competitive because he is, but I just, I just can't having been here and seen it up close and personal. I can't imagine he's not a penguin. And Kyle Dubas spoke to the the media yesterday. He addressed the media. And basically what he said was team needs to get younger here. And we think that 
if we keep players like Sid and Malkin and Latang and Eric Carlson around, we can bring some young players and reinvigorate them and kind of retool mm-hmm. this thing on the fly with some young players. So wow. with that thought process in mind, I don't see how you're moving on from him. You say reinvigorate. I mean, he's 31 goals, 55 points. Well, he doesn't point need to reinvigorate. Playing yeah, more than 20 minutes a night uh, still he, he at age 36. Yeah, no, yeah. he don't yeah, need he any of it. that. Here's, you, want to, you want to hear something crazy? I was just getting – so these are my sheets I do for, for the games. Okay, so that's my Montreal one. This is my Pittsburgh one. All right, Pittsburgh, 25th in the NHL in goals for, fourth in the NHL in goals against, and they have the fourth best save percentage in the NHL. Defensively, this is a playoff team all Ooh, day long. Hot. Yeah, yeah, all day long. Their power play is terrible. It's thirtieth, like, yeah. and their expected goals are top three in the NHL. So expected goals are top three. Actual goals twenty fifth. It is insane. Like no one can figure out what is going on here. As far as like, I mean, the power play is terrible, and that's been a big contributor to it. But even like, here's another one for you. They've allowed three goals or less. In 10 of their last 13 games. Like, are you kidding me? And you know what they are? A real simple red red flag for me is always the goal differential. If you've got a good goal differential and you're you're among all the bad goal differentials, there's something wrong. And they are sixth in the wild card standings. But they have a plus 11 goal differential, which is just fine. The team above them is a minus 32. The teams below them are minus 42. And there's a plus 11 in amongst all those teams. It doesn't make any sense. Delta's Tristan Jari. They got to study this. This, They should should Mm -hmm. study this team and and what's gone on here because no one can figure it out. So is your old boss, Kyle Dubas, going to give you the uh, scoop on the Jake Gensel trade? actually just texted him i was like mm-hmm. you gotta give me no i <laughs> i don't think so um i don't want to get into the insider game that's that's no you know, that's heavy lifting that's hard you'll, have people, like, you'll have people sliding you in know, your linkedin and <laughs> yeah i don't like pestering people either i like to mm-hmm. leave people be so i don't like okay. to be a new do you have a yager wig did, did you wind up getting a did, did they have any leftover no. yager wigs from yager weekend no no but uh mm. do you remember there was a game yager played when he was on florida where he played against uh, the leaps and he had more points himself than our entire combined roster and that was a part <laughs> of that game and that graphic i'll send it to you guys but that that yeah. graphic lived on excellent yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Well, Frankie, got to say, great synergy here, buddy. Let's hop on a call and do it again next week. Let's let's do a Zoom next week and uh, see if we can put some of these details together. Hit me up on LinkedIn. Yeah, I think we have a lot of connectivity and uh, great synergies. And I I really um, am excited about where our brands can go. Yeah, absolutely. uh, Yeah, your KPIs are impressive. Real good KPIs. (laughs) See you guys. Rob Williams is the national sports editor of the Daily Hive and its offside sports vertical. Rob, the hockey guy on Twitter, he's playing hurt today, Blake. Isn't going to make our party at Greta. That's okay, Rob, because we'll have a fantastic conversation here, including a huge question right up your alley, Jersey Bead. The Canucks are 11-1 and in the black skate jersey and kind of just middling in the blue jersey. Are we working towards a black skate 
in the playoffs here. How crazy is that? Is is that a possibility? Do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is something I looked into a couple of weeks ago and looked at their the the stat with their um, with their jerseys. I hadn't I hadn't uh, kept up to it in the last uh, couple of weeks, but I, yeah, I kind of you just kind of like off the top of your head go, yeah, oh, black jersey, they won again, and I they so and I did confirm with the NHL like you do have to pick a jersey for home and away. You can't be flipping in, in, into your third jersey and and back to your you know they can't flip between blue and black so they will have to declare one and my thought is like okay for from from a brand perspective you know you're the canucks you're blue and green your logo is the orca logo it's on the ice like blue and green's on the walls you're gonna go with blue and green right i would think i would think unless you're planning to switch full time which i don't think they are or unless, and this is the, the key part, I think, for me, is unless one of the jerseys becomes lucky, and if the players believe it, more importantly, if the owner believes it, then I think that could be a possibility uh, when they get to the salary. I don't point. think the owner believes it, but it. players and, and coaches, if they, if they say, if the coach goes to the owner and management and says, guys, the players just like playing, and, the, and, and we need all the advantages we can get, is that enough to win over a skeptical owner for that plan? Yeah, and not totally unprecedented with the Canucks either. They remember in uh, the 2007 playoffs, they actually switched to their uh, to their alternate uh, stick and terrible rink stick and rink. Yeah, <laughs> the weird stick to... and rink. It's not the real stick and rink. It's a weird one. I don't like it. Now, in those days, they because I I, I look back like they did use the Orca and then went back to the stick and rink, so they must have been able to switch at, 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 in those days between jerseys. But they did switch mid series against Dallas and went to the to the oh to really the stick and rink. Okay, and in Game Seven of that series, they were wearing stick and rink. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so there there are there there's some precedent for that, but at the same time, that was when they knew they were switching away from the original Orca logo into and going to blue and green. So there you know there wasn't much uh, much of a risk from a brand perspective. Well, so was there no rule back then about declaring jerseys, or because it was a, a blue jersey as well, they were just allowed to switch? Do you know the story there? I I don't, I don't know the exact story. I assume that there just wasn't a rule at that time. And so 2007, it was still Naslund Eric Orca. It was still the maroon Orca. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I would have thought. Okay. All right. Okay. Sense. Well, good to know. And frankly, uh, Rob, like I think this city is ready to go off to begin with for the first Stanley cup playoff games in nine years. And I do think the public prefers the black skate Jersey. So they certainly love it. I don't know if prefer, but they certainly love it. Yeah. I mean, you look league wide, like when the Canucks wear those, those jerseys, like people go gaga for it. Right. Like it's because part of me wonders like, okay, is this just a thing? Like I grew up with the black skate Jersey, uh, you know, so, you know, I'm going to have a bias towards it. Is it just a generational thing? Like, you know, you know, younger people that grew up with the Orca, are they going to be, you know, as enamored with it? But you look around the league, like go on Twitter when they're wearing those jerseys, like people, mm-hmm. people think they look great, but I think yeah. they feel like gladiators and for a logo. That's pretty like indiscernible. Like he, a lot of people I would bet don't know what the logo is no, totally. yeah. in any way, shape or form. And yet still love the color scheme. Um, mm-hmm. If not the crest going with it. Uh, Arshdeep Baines, 
quite a local story here. I saw you tweeting about it the other day. Yeah, fantastic story. And I, th I thought it was great just seeing, like, I think the whole city obviously was, uh, has embraced the story and has embraced, um, you know, takeaway for, I mean, the obvious one is, you know, a, a South Asian player uh, playing in the National Hockey League. Uh, he's just the fourth Punjabi player to ever play in the NHL. Um, that's a fantastic story. But if, even if you took away all that, I mean, an undrafted player, you know, getting a shot in the NHL, uh, you know, that on its own is, is, a, is a great story as well. So I think it was it was great to see, um, you know, notice like, you know, many, you know, Vancouver's large South Asian uh, community, like, you know, we're just absolutely, um, you know, proud to see him on the ice, I, I thought, um, when he made his debut on Tuesday. So it was great to see. And, and I thought he had a, you know, uh, an impactful debut. I thought he was noticeable. Um, and I think, you know, seeing his ice time being ahead of uh, three other Canucks forwards was also noticeable uh, to me. And I, I think it'll be interesting to see how they, they utilize him going forward and, and see if he can, uh, you know, start getting on the scoreboard. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a great debut, wasn't it? And we get to claim all of them, don't we? I mean, they've all, all four Punjabi players, um, yeah, three local right. guys, three local guys in Kara and Bawa and and Albanes, and of course Manny's a, a Eastern guy, but uh, played for the Canucks, so we we get to claim them all, I think. And ba I mean Bawa also played for the Canucks as well. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. A BC boy that played for the Canucks. I remember he broke. He didn't play that many games for the Canucks, but I do remember him yeah. shattering the glass at the Pacific Coliseum. Mm. I just that for whatever reason stuck in stuck in my head as a as a young hockey fan and growing up in the nineties. First three game losing streak. So we're asking on our poll question um, with a shout out to big daddy, Dave Pratt must win game wrong. <laughs> I love, I love the, the, the call back there. Um, I mean, of course, technically not a must win game and, you know, there's still first place in the entire NHL. So it seems silly to, to, to say this, but like, you know, I, I feel like after a three game losing streak, the city's, remarkably calm about this mm -hmm. you know especially with the that that uh, debacle in, in minnesota but i if i know canucks fans like i think i do deep down they, they want it mm -hmm. if they lose if they lose in seattle i think that's going to change things yeah. quite a bit it, that then there's going to be a little bit of panic you know with boston rolling into town on saturday um you know that this does have the ability to become a, a longer losing streak and i think that will worry the masses is a little bit in Vancouver and, and uh, you know, I think a lot of it depends on how they play right? Like if, they, like, I think most people are in agreement that they played really well in Colorado, just didn't get the bounces. They didn't get the win. Um, you know, particularly with on second of a back to back with travel at altitude, you know, that's not an easy, that's not an easy place to, to pick up a W, but you know, you, within context of everything else, like they're not, you know, they haven't been playing as, as well prior to that. And no chance for error, really. They do have two days off after the Bruins game, but Kraken and then Bruins, those two days, and then you get Penguins and Kings next week. I mean, honestly, it, it, this is – we could be asking must win almost every game day here over the next uh, handful of days. I mean, we, we said the schedule was getting tougher, and it's, it's in the Canucks' face right now. I think that Boston game is going to be big as well. I mean, yeah. just, you know, in terms of the the rivalry, of course, but also just the way they played in Boston last time, I think you need a, a big bounce back uh, against the Bruins. Uh, you know, it's the 
four o'clock game on hockey night in Canada, you know, there's going to be the spotlight on them. Uh, been a little bit more chatter of late of like how do the Canucks match up against the elite teams in the NHL. So I think, you know, they got to start coming up big in, in these, in these matchups and, and uh, you know, there'd be no better time to start than, than that Saturday night. Game. Well, the interesting thing to me guys is I think if you ask Canucks fans, do you have a rivalry with Boston? They would say yes. And I think if you ask Bruins fans, they would say no. You're right. And I think the same dynamic may be true of the Kraken. Like, I think if you ask Kraken fans, do you have a rivalry with the Canucks? Many would say yes, because they you hate know, Tyler Myers, apparently. Well, yeah, no, not <laughs> only that, you know, it's inexplicable. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, you know, remember Mayor Jenny putting a stake in the ground when the franchise was first and trash talking the Canucks? And of course, you know, they looked north and went, okay, that's going to be our rival. And, and let's start uh, disliking them. And then, of course, uh, we had the uh, great coming together with Nadia and Red Hamilton, and that sort of diffused the rivalry because yeah, it's, like it's, it's it's all Nadia's fault, really. Really, yeah, for saving Red's life. But I will say this: uh, had friends who went down to the American Thanksgiving game there on the uh, U.S. Thanksgiving Friday, the Canucks won five-one, and Canuck Nation was loud and proud oh, yeah. at Climate uh, Climate Pledge that night and in and around the arena that night. So I, I think we might actually have the seeds of a, of a germinating rivalry here. It's a big game. Finally mm -hmm. guys, the, the, the better the Canucks play, the more, you know, the more Canucks fans are going to be invading Seattle and the more obnoxious they'll be and the more they'll piss off Kraken fans. So that shouldn't take too, too long at all. I don't think um, for, you know, Seattle hockey fans to start hating the Canucks. What we really need, though, is we need the Kraken to sneak into that second wild card spot and play the Canucks in the first Absolutely. round. That would, be, that would just be that would turn things up to eleven. Well, to that end, maybe we should maybe we should kiss. call for a, a, a past sixty minutes win over the Kraken then in this game, so that the Kraken do get a point and move forward a little bit because they do need to giddy up a little bit. The Kraken, so <laughs> maybe an overtime win. Rob, great stuff. Enjoy the game. Uh, well, games plural, because uh, as you say, Saturday against Boston is a big one, and we'll catch up next week. Good stuff. Thanks, guys. Time for poll question results from Wednesday, where we asked you, after the first three-game losing streak of the season, how are you feeling? Fine or concerned? Well, won the poll. 2,000 votes on this sucker. Uh, they said fine. Yes. Percentage? 60. 57. Hmm. Honestly, I thought that was low. I thought you thought more people would be okay. Well, I agree with Rob Williams that the market is taking this in stride. So I thought it would be closer to seventy-five. I at least thought it would be sixty-six. You know what, Matt? If these two losses were on home ice, I bet you it's a higher number. Possibly, it's a little hidden on the road. Plus, I also think playing well but losing in Denver factored into that. Uh, Vincent, how about this for a hot take? People are going to mock me, but write this down. The Canucks finished third at best, possibly even the first wildcard position. The Emperor has been exposed, and he ain't wearing much. No. <laughs> Except he hasn't. Like, all the underlying stats say that actually they're playing just fine. Yeah. It's just special teams letting them down. The so. five-on-five numbers since yeah. the calendar flipped have been better fantastic. Better than the first yeah. half. Actually better than the first half. So. Art, hey now, hey now, don't dream, it's over. Listen to this. But I don't even know what that means. Don't dream. Well, no, he it's wrote over. the dream is over, but uh, I yes. included the uh, who's the song there? Is it Crowded House? Crowded House. Mm. Yeah. 
Aussie band? Yeah. Kiwi. Kiwi. Kiwi band. Gotcha. Oh, oh, Ambassador It might be Paul. mixed. It might be mixed. Ambassador mm. Paul will mm. be upset with mm. me down in New Zealand. Um, Hendy, it's not the loss. It's, it's the record against good teams that's concerning. This is not good. And, and again, if you want to draw the line at a few of those good teams, sure. If you want to draw the line at the top 10 of the NHL, well, they're fine. Neil, first round exit assured. Oh, my God. What's with all the negativity, Canucks fans? I was right. Mixed. Neil Finn, the main guy, is Kiwi, but the rest are Aussie. Mm-hmm. And then Derek. Seems like their lull of the season. Better now than in a month. Well put, Derek. Errors and omissions from yesterday's program. I have but one. I'm sorry, Grady. We threw to a Rick Tockett power play clip, and it was not a Rick Tockett power play clip. Oh, no. Alas. We did get to the power play clip. It was good little added context. Okay. Now, more from, you know what? More from the, the more we hear from Rick Tockett, the better. We've played a lot of Rick Tockett on the show this year, and in yeah. fact, way more Rick Tockett than anyone else. And the reason is. Good talker. He's Clips a good talker. Days. He communicates well. He's honest. He adds something to he learns the conversation. on hockey. And he walks it like he talks it. Does he ever? Now, to be fair, a lot of the other coaches didn't have much to talk about. Yeah, we were we weren't good tonight. No, I mean, there was got to the point with <laughs> Willie and Travis where yeah. there was only much, so much they can say. Like, you know, effectively, the, we don't yeah. have the horses. We got Willie a really would, good AHL team out there <laughs> playing in the National Hockey League. So right. what are you going to do? Willie would say, we have a real good team or they were a real good team. Travis right. was always praising the other team. Mm. Right. Uh, not an error in omission per se, but I was thinking about it last night. Matt taking exception with my coffee sizes of oh the cups, gosh. multiples. Yeah. This oh. guy strolls in here with a triple XL coffee cup from Kmart. I guarantee if I filled up those two little Kmart. cups, where do you get it from? Circle K. Yeah, Circle like, K, whatever. You want to hit up the Kmart, go for that coffee, Corrado Flashy blue plate about. special here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If I fill up Kmart those... still have a cafeteria? Kmart doesn't exist. Oh, Too much Simpsons. I think it does exist in the States, actually. If I fill up those two cups... It's not even reaching halfway of the Sicaris mm-hmm. gas station special mm-hmm. drip he gets. I go upstairs to Cafe One to get the coffee, and they're like, how many coffee stays around? I'm like, four. Four? They how many people you. do you have down there? <laughs> One. <laughs> yeah, still works in the States and in Australia, Kmart. Really? Yeah. Always exciting as a kid going to Kmart. Yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah, skip over my point. Start talking about. Yeah, I did, we are. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kmart was quite quite an interesting drop. Um, Zellers. You could buy coffee at Kmart, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they had the a diner. Pass. I think they had a diner. Yeah. Yeah. No, but did they not have uh, ground coffee? Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. That, yeah. 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 I mean, they had everything. Stands to reason. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder: subscribe to our podcast, Rinkwide Vancouver Canucks Conversation. Follow on social, that's Insta, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. 11.30 a.m. Pacific, every day on YouTube, live. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.